going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Go In The Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 109. We got a good one here, too. A lot of good stuff. NFL, we're going to break down the NFC East, talk about some teams that aren't doing well right now. Maybe it's uh, time to move on like the Panthers did. Kind of like we did last week. MLB divisional round starting today. Going to break it down and talk about what happened last weekend. I'm excited. Hell yeah, man. It's going to be a fun episode like Skyler's talking about. Uh, baseball, football. We got it all this week. So let's just go ahead and get into it. And I'll give you my favorite thing I saw this past week. And that is the Oscar Gonzalez walk-off home run in game two of the wild card round between the Guardians and the Rays, Oscar Gonzalez's walk-off home run, gave that Guardians that 2-0 series victory. I guess you could call it a sweep. It does feel a little weird saying a 2-0 series win is a sweep, yeah. though, because it's it's barely even a series at that point. But the Oscar Gonzalez home run was so cold, man. Hits it. It's only like a five or six row deep home run, but he knows it right away. Just looks down, act like nothing's happening flips the bat in the air, then just proceeds to go crazy on the base pass. A fun Guardians team, a sleeper Guardians team, a team that's playing right now against the Yankees. Yeah, I'm also going with uh, some wild card baseball here. Game one, Seattle at Toronto, uh, specifically Luis Castillo, man. Seven and a third shutout innings. And the biggest thing for me, why I love this, is because you could say Seattle already won the trade. Their first postseason win in 20 years, it doesn't matter how much you give up at this point. This is why you bring them in here. Like Pretty much every series uh, in the wild card weekend here was determined by the starting pitching. Uh, and we know now, you know, those GMs are, you know, going to get their credit. Yeah, in 2021, throughout the entire postseason, we saw four different outings that had a starting pitcher go at least seven innings. And on Friday alone, just where all the game ones happened on that day in that wild card series, there was four pitchers who went at least seven innings. Yeah. So starters getting some depth is fun for baseball. It's good for baseball and uh, makes it a little bit more exciting to watch, I'd say. For sure. Let's go ahead and move on to our weekly Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. And we did two polls this week because there's so many crazy things that happen with football and baseball. So we just separated them up, gave four to each sport, and this is how that poll went. First off on the football one, Breeze Hall, 20 touches, 197 yards and a touchdown. Great game for the rookie running back for the Jets. Unfortunately, he only got .4 of the votes, though, because of... Bill's Mafia. I'll explain more about that later. But out of 233 votes, 0.4 of the votes, or 0.4 of the votes, go to Breeze Hall. Next up is Austin Eckler, who had a big game against the Browns. Back-to-back weeks of big games for Austin Eckler. 20 touches, 199 yards, two touchdowns in their 30-28 to or 29 victory, but close one over there in Cleveland. He got 3% of the votes. Next up is Taysom Hill who probably honestly should have won it because he had a crazy week, but he had 22 passing yards, nine carries, 112 rushing yards, and four total touchdowns, three on the ground, one in the air. But nonetheless, a crazy game for Taysom Hill. He gets 4.7% of the votes. Then there's Josh Allen. Josh Allen, 20 for 31, 466 total yards, and four touchdowns. Crazy game against the Steelers. I think he only played three quarters, too. He ends up getting 91.8% of the votes because of Bill's Mafia and how crazy they are. So congrats yeah. to Josh Allen there. He's the usual in this Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. On to the baseball one now. Only 11 votes in this one because Bill's Mafia doesn't have a baseball team to cheer for unless nope. you're talking about the Buffalo Bison AAA <laughs> affiliate for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes. But the baseball one that we had, the first two guys, Oscar and Oscar Gonzalez, who had that walk-off home run in the 15th inning versus the Rays, and Luis Castillo, who went seven and a third, six hits, zero runs, five Ks against the Blue Jays in game one of that wild card series. They both had 18.2% of the votes there. Second place was Trent Grisham, who went four for eight with two homers and three RBIs in their big series win over the Mets this past weekend. And then the winner, 
This one seemed pretty obvious as well. Joe Musgrove went seven innings, one hit, zero runs, one walk, five Ks, absolutely shut down the Mets in game three of that wild card series. He ends up getting 36.4% of the votes and wins the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week on the baseball side of things. All righty. That does it for that. Let's go ahead and get on to the team reports. Skyler, tell me about the Jets and their big victory over the Miami Dolphins this past week. Yeah, man. The Jets pounce on Miami 40 to 17. Uh, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater got knocked out pretty quickly. Sauce Gardner safety to start it off. And Tua, before that, not playing. It was down to Skylar Thompson, but uh, it didn't matter who was out there uh, this week against the Jets. They were so dominant. We'll start out on, on offense here. Brees Hall. Obviously, our player of the week here, um, 197 all-purpose. He was pounding dudes, running up the middle every time. Zach Wilson pretty much did what he had to do. You know, uh, there was one throw. We I talked about it with Kyle that uh, on a fourth down, he had an open tight end. He decided to take a shot, uh, didn't come up, but then we get a strip sack right after that, so it didn't end up mattering. But Zach Wilson's doing what he needs to do. It's cool. Move on to the defense because that was uh, was the big big thing for us. Sauce Gardner obviously started up the game with the safety, like I said, gets his first career pick later on, thanks to John Franklin Myers tipping the ball. Um, we had 16 quarterback hits today. Um, sorry, Sunday, not today. Um, Carl Lawson with seven. That's a franchise record. So pretty awesome. Uh, Quinnen Williams also had a sack and uh, recovered a fumble and trucked Tyreek. Um, just pretty much a perfect week. We're playing Green Bay next week and then Denver and then the Patriots. And the people on Jets Twitter are saying, if we can win two out of three of these, playoffs are a real possibility. I'm not going to go that far. It's just a rebuilding, retooling, um, you know, try to get the young guys acclimated type of year. But like the young guys are not making mistakes, you know, like we see with a lot of these teams that are similar uh, to the Jets situation. So I'm excited, man. Let's go be Green Bay. There you go. Raider game last night. Everybody watched it on TV. Chiefs end yeah. up winning the game 30 to 29. Pretty crazy game there. I'll get more into the specifics, though. Derek Carr, I think he played pretty good. 19 out of 30, 241 yards and two touchdowns. Did about all he could without having a tight end and really only being limited to about half of the playbook because of not having any tight ends to use. Uh, there is a video playing in my thing. I got to turn that off. Oh. All right. Sorry. I didn't uh, hear it, by uh, the way. I know you didn't, but okay. there's like some weird ad that was playing on Yahoo or ESPN where I'm looking at. But besides that, Carr played good. Running back, Josh Jacobs. I mean, dude was so good. I've never seen Josh be so good over these past two games. Set a career high in rushing yards last week against the Broncos. Resets that career high rushing yard mark. This week with 154 yards on the ground, a touchdown, and also adding 39 more receiving yards. He's third in the NFL in all-purpose yards behind Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley. I've never – I mean, Jacobs is a dog, man. He was just running through guys. He's getting through tackles. He has 100 more yards after contact than any other running back in the NFL, which is pretty crazy to even think about. Devontae. Had a good game despite only having three catches. He had a couple big penalties, uh, forced, I guess you'd call, defensive pass interference that led to another touchdown with Jacobs. But three catches, 124 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Renfro played okay. He didn't really get too much burn because we didn't really actually use him as much as what I thought we should have. But four catches, 25 yards, it is what it is. Uh, Waller, probably out for a little bit with a hamstring injury, but he doesn't really matter too much because he's lazy and we're on the bye anyways. Uh. Defensive side of the ball was interesting. Max Crosby did what he always does. Two sacks, three tackles for loss. Looked great in the pass game, looked great in the run game. Now leads the league in tackles for loss, tied for the league in sacks. I mean, Max is a stud, but everybody else needs to step their game up quite a bit. The secondary didn't look the greatest. Chandler Jones had some impact, but still not to, to the point where you're paying him $18 million a year. That's pretty frustrating. He's got to get home here soon. Uh, Carlson, money. I feel like I should yeah. mention that. He was dominant again as a kicker. Just ended up. Ever since we met him, in. he hasn't missed. Exactly, man. Whenever whenever the Raiders get inside like the 40-yard line, you just feel confident that they're going to score at least three if there isn't a turnover. 
But uh, that ends up not mattering because of Josh McDaniels deciding to not use Carlson to tie up the game when the Raiders scored a touchdown to make it 29-30. to 30. We ended up going for two. I didn't really like the play call because when we've been running with Jacobs, we've been doing this like strong formation where we have Jacob Johnson in there and the run behind the right guard and the right tackle. And Jake Johnson just nails the first guy Jacobs bundles through and gets through. I think one-on-one, I don't think there's going to be a guy that can stop Jacobs right now, but instead of that, we go shotgun something. We really haven't done the whole game. Give it to him there. It doesn't work out at all. Uh, defense ends up getting a stop. And then there's of course that stuff that went viral on Twitter last night with Devonte catching the ball or not catch the ball. You could say what it is. I don't really care at this point because it ended up not being called a catch and then Renfro and Adams running into each other on the next play gives us a loss We're one and four, but I don't feel bad about this team. Really? Mm. I think there's a lot of good things to take away with it. I think, Oh, I know for a fact all four of our losses have been within one possession. They all have been winnable games. I'm not going to be like I say, oh, we should be 5-0 and right now because we deserve everything that's coming to us because we've been put in those situations and we haven't come through. But if you play with the effort and the execution that you did against Kansas City, I think there's still a chance for double-digit wins for this team. I think there's a legitimate chance that you can go 9-3 and three the rest of the year and get through it, especially with the light schedule coming up after the bye with the Texans and the Colts and the Jags and the Saints and the Broncos. You got some winnable games. So I'm not writing it off quite yet, but you got to turn it up soon, especially after the bye. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to a new segment that we have been doing for the past couple of weeks now where we talk about where we went right and where we went wrong for our picks. I also added in maybe we could use our baseball picks here because, I mean, yeah. we made baseball picks. So, together, where did you go wrong and where did you go right? I went wrong with every single pick for the MLB this weekend. I got all of my wildcard picks wrong. Uh, I'm not too upset, though, because it doesn't uh, affect my World Series prediction, but not good. Uh, the pitching definitely mattered a lot more than I thought it would. I thought the home field advantage would would help. Did not. Sure. Do you want to talk about where you went right? Oh, sure. Yeah, sorry. I didn't realize you asked me to. Uh, went right. Uh, not a lot went right uh, specifically because we had a lot of really similar football picks but i'll I'll go with the pick on the jets because you and brett did not pick the jets and uh we stopped on them so went right there yeah i'll talk about where i went right first and i'll say the dallas cowboys in the rams i just thought the cowboys defense was gonna overflow the rams offense and it ended up being just that michael parsons was a game record demarcus lawrence was big Defense just looked great for the Cowboys, the same way that they've looked the entire year. Even in that week one game that they lost pretty pretty convincingly, they still looked pretty decent and only giving up 19 points to the Bucks in that game. So, I mean, versus that Rams offense, it just has not looked good. I thought that was a pretty easy pick, and I was surprised to see that none of you guys actually ended up picking them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess that's where I went right. Where I went wrong was the Blue Jays wild card round loss. I thought for sure that was a lock. You know, I put some money on it myself. I said that they'd win in two and they couldn't even get one. So Blue Jays disappointing. We'll talk more about them specifically in the second half of our show. when We talk all baseball there. And before we get to where's your head at, one more thing. We're going to be talking about our favorite fantasy play going into this next week. Week six coming up. Skyler. Do you have a favorite starter sit? Do you have a favorite move to make? Pick this guy up, drop this guy. What What are you thinking going into week six of fantasy? Yeah, I want to continue on what I was saying last week about if you have a star running back that you drafted early that hasn't been doing much, hold on to him. Don't trade him yet. And, you know, for me specifically, it's separate leagues. Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara both had over 20 points, and they're looking awesome now. The one thing I would add on to that is we're getting down to – to the point in the waiver wire where you have to grab your handcuff now if you want him. If you want a Rex Burkhead to handcuff your Damian Pierce, uh, if you want Latavius Murray to handcuff, you know, whatever Denver running back's going to be be that dude, uh, this is the week to do it. Go grab it if you have an extra spot. You don't need that extra tight end yet. Yeah. My move is picking up Alec Pierce this week, especially if you're looking for a wide receiver. I don't know if he's a start candidate right away. 
but his target share of the last five weeks has just increased. He had only had two targets in week one, didn't have a catch, didn't play in week two, had five targets in week three, six targets in week four, and nine targets last week against Denver, leading to eight catches for 81 yards. And he looks to be one of Matt Ryan's favorite targets. And one thing that you know about rookie wide receivers is it starts slow and it gets hotter as the season goes on. And I think with these matchups over the next four or five games versus Jacksonville, Tennessee, Washington, New England, and Las Vegas, those are all pretty solid fantasy opportunities. And I think he could end up being a flex option in this market for fantasy wide receivers. I'm really hoping that's my guy, Michael Pittman, but yeah, maybe it could be I mean, both. Yeah. I, it's kind of gotta be both. I think for the Colts, because Taylor, I mean, <laughs> we don't know how much he's doing with that offensive offensive line. My bad. Uh, and then Pittman, he's going to get double teamed. So you got to go ahead and look for somebody else. And I think Alec Pierce can end up being that guy. Let's get to where's your head at though. Yeah. Meat and potatoes of the show. Geno Smith. And we got to talk about this guy. He's been going ham for the Seahawks. And he, if you were to just put Russell Wilson's face on Geno Smith's and his body type and whatever, and just said that Russell Wilson's still playing quarterback for the Seahawks, I completely believe you because he's been really good this year. But the odd part is that Russell Wilson has been really bad. I'll go over the numbers real quick between these two. As far as completion percentage goes, Russell is at 54 point or 59.4. Geno Smith is at 75.2. So it's not even close there. Geno's completing a lot more passing or passes. Pass yards specifically, 1254 for Russ, 1305 for Geno. So again, gets that there. Touchdowns, nine touchdowns for Geno, only four for Russ. So Geno, again, by quite a wide margin. And then interceptions, only two for Geno and three for Russ. So still a little close W for Geno there. Is Geno Smith actually better than Russell Wilson's Skyler, or is this just the craziest fluke that we've seen in our lives? No, no. Geno's made some crazy throws, but this isn't going to be close. Um, Denver's very dysfunctional right now, and we might not even know the answer to this question this year, but I think this is one we should revisit in a year and laugh at because uh, – Denver's going to click eventually. I know you don't want to hear it, but it, it's bound to happen. Might not be this year, but uh, Gino's a, a very short-term option there in Seattle. You know, I'm looking at at this right now, and I want to see the defenses that Gino Smith has gone up against and what he's done against the better defenses that he's played and some of the shittier defenses that he played. So he played that Broncos defense, solid defense. They even had Justin Simmons in that game, and I think he ended up playing pretty good. They played the Niners, tough game there. They just couldn't get anything going offensively in general. In that the Falcons, they lost closely in that game, but Geno still looked pretty good. Falcons defense actually isn't that bad, though. Uh, Lions defense, that one was an inflator. They gave up a ton of points. Lions defense has just been walked through by everybody this year, even if it's Bailey Zappi. And then the Saints. Saints defense is really tough to read right now. I don't know if they're a top unit. I don't know if they're a bottom unit. Maybe they're just right in the middle. But you can't ignore what Gino's been doing. And you can't ignore the fall that Russ has made so far and the injuries that he's going through and how he just hasn't had, uh, maybe he didn't have the fullest time to recover from last year's injury. And that's why he looked bad at the end of last year. And maybe he got hurt at the beginning of this year and the first couple of games. And we didn't know about it. And then we heard about that, that shoulder stuff that he had two weeks ago with the Raiders. And he still looked bad from there, but this year specifically, I think at the end of the year, we're definitely going to say that Geno Smith had a better year in the long term, Maybe yeah. not. But as of this year specifically, we're always going to say that Geno Smith had a better 2022 campaign than Russell Wilson. That would be pretty cool. Let's move on to the Cowboys and the Giants. They're both 4-1, and one, but everybody is still skeptical about them. Mm-hmm. We don't know about Cooper Rush, even though he's 5-0 and in his career starts. We don't know about the Giants because they're the Giants. So what do those two teams have to do to make the rest of the country believe in them? I think Dallas is really close, man. I, that defense right now looks like they could carry them to a Super Bowl appearance. Um, the Giants and Philly, I think, are similar in that they've they've let some bad teams hang around a little too late. Um, but all three should be in the playoffs. 
Obviously, we got Dallas at Philly Sunday night football this week. Uh, that's going to be a big one. If Dallas can win that game, I'll be completely sold. Uh, and Philly is going to play at the Giants in December for the first time. So we'll have to wait a little bit on that one. Um, but this this is going to be a close race. Uh, right now, though, I'm going to say Dallas is the only one I trust. It's pretty interesting. I think both these teams have pivotal weeks in week six because the Giants play the Ravens, and the U- Ravens are kind of universally thought as a solid football team. And then the Cowboys, of course, have that Monday night match, or is it Monday or Sunday night matchup? Primetime matchup. I'll just say that with the Eagles uh, this week. I think for sure if Dallas wins this game, they're going to be looked at as legit. Sunday night. Gotcha. Even if it's Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott, whoever wins that game, if they win it, that's going to solve it for them. One second. Stephen Kwan just took Garrett Cole deep. That's pretty crazy. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty awesome. Oregon uh, State guy. Well, I'll, okay, I'll get back to this right now. <laughs> As we're talking about the Giants, of course, that's when the Yankee stuff comes up. But these two teams got to win this week or else it's not going to be that way. People yeah. aren't going to believe in them for a long, long time because their schedules are so easy after this. Look at the Giants schedule. After this week, they put the Jags, then the Seahawks, then the Texans, then the Lions. Four straight games where you're just playing bummy teams, and they probably yeah. are going to be eight and two or nine and one or whatever it may be. But the Giants, I mean, if you don't win that game, then it's going to be a Mickey Mouse eight and two or whatever you want to call it. The Cowboys, <laughs> their schedule kind of gets harder a little bit quicker. But after this game, they play the Lions and then the Bears. So two yeah. games they should win regardless if there's Cooper yeah. Rush, Jack Prescott, whoever it is. But if you win these games this week for both of these teams, the both can be looked at as legitimate contenders by the rest of the league. Let's go ahead and talk about the Panthers. They fire Matt Rule on Monday after their terrible loss against. I the called Niners. it by the way. Um, it was I think seventeen and nine. I was talking with Josh. I said, "Man, if they, uh, you know, if they get blown out, Matt Rule's going to get fired." What are you talking about, man? Come on, give him a shot. I'm like I, I didn't say I would do it. I just think that's what's going to happen. They get blown out, and he gets fired the next day. I think it's the right call to fire him, yeah. but it begs the question. We have the Texans. We have the lions. We have all these shitty teams in the NFL right now, but are the Panthers, I guess the cream and the crop of this case, the worst team in the league. You know, I think, I think they're definitely in the conversation, Pittsburgh, Houston, Detroit. Um, but you know, whatever quarterback combination Carolina puts out there, it's going to be worse than Davis mills. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's been awful, but they use their skill players really well, despite having no O-line. Uh, so Carolina is a good bet They They might sell the house here, trade all their, their decent players, try to get some picks because they have none. Cause Matt rule was also kind of their GM at the same time and was trying to win now and it didn't work. Uh, so I'm not upset and yeah, they, they should be a uh, bottom three in the draft for sure. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead, go ahead and say that the Panthers are the worst team in the league right now. Their offense is hands down the worst offense in the league. It just doesn't look good in any facet. I mean, you have Christian McCaffrey. What's Christian McCaffrey route without any help? You know, without an O-line, without good receivers, without a good quarterback, it's tough to make a running back look good. And their defense, which was advertised in the preseason and in, in previous years that, hey, they got this young defense, Jeremy Chin, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, you know, all these guys that they brought in these past few years to the draft. Even C.J. Henderson. And it's been fucking terrible yeah. this year. They're t- allowing 24.4 points per game right now. That's in the bottom third or fourth of the league. And they just don't look good. The defense that we thought was going to carry them to win five or six games might not even get them to three wins this year. So the Panthers are going to be in that conversation for Bryce Young even though they just drafted Matt Corral and he's out for the year whatever it is yeah but it's gonna be a full-fledged rebuild for a team that's already in a rebuild in the Carolina Panthers this upcoming year and in years future yeah another team that's been really bad is the Detroit Lions they allow a ton of points they got shut out against the Patriots in this past week. Uh, and so we got to talk about Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell is this well-liked head coach by the league. You know, we saw hard knocks this past year and everybody seems to like him. And he's a fun guy to play for, but the lions are shit. 
So when does that really matter more than just being a good guy? When does Dan Campbell go on the hot seat? Yeah, I think we could both agree he's probably on the hot seat already. I mean, you look at what Brian Dable and Robert Sala and McDaniel and Sirianni have done with very similar rosters. And uh, Detroit arguably has the most veteran group out of all those, and they're still fucking garbage. They're running out of excuses. You know, uh, they have to do it this year or everyone's getting fired. And, you know, it's not a knock on Sean Payton, but I, I feel like, you know, these guys get hired because there's a shot Sean Payton could could come follow them, you know? Yeah. Or sorry, not a knock on Campbell, the other way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, why why exactly you would take a, a Saints assistant. Yeah. yeah, it's like a Belichick assistant, you yeah. know, or an Andy Reid assistant, which mm-hmm. for whatever reason don't get hired. But uh, that's besides the point. Lions, they, they got to win five or six games, at least this year, to have Dan Campbell not be on the hot seat. So looking at five or six wins, you got to look at their schedule, see what games yeah. that they're playing. They play Chicago still twice. They play Jacksonville. They play Carolina. So that's they probably should at least win three or four of those games there. But you got to pick up another one against a big dog. You know, you got to beat a team that's going to make the playoffs in order for Dan Campbell to not be fired because he's this fun guy and fun guys work at coordinators. They don't always work yeah. at head coaches. So you can be a fun tight ends coach. You can be a fun wide receivers coach. You can be a fun running back coach. But there isn't a lot of fun head coaches in the league, you know? And so I just don't think it's going to work out for Dan Campbell, uh, especially if they don't get to that five or six win mark this year. Something kind of different than our normal questions that we talk about. I think this is something that is fun to address, though. Usually we talk about a specific team and what should they do here, like Dan Campbell thing, Panthers thing, so forth and so forth. You guys see in our episodes, but a little something more on or open ended here. Who is the most unstoppable player in the league right now, Skyler? I took an interesting approach to this one. Uh, I'll start off with my number one guy. I'm going to have Patrick Mahomes at the number one most unstoppable because he makes the craziest plays I've ever seen in the NFL. Plus, he's a quarterback, and the NFL is on the quarterback side right now. So he's going to get number one for most unstoppable. That's the definition of unstoppable. Number two, I'll, I'll run through the the next quickly because it doesn't really matter. It's Aaron Donald because of the double team factor. Uh, number three is going to be Parsons because he can line up and rush from anywhere. And I'm going to take Justin Jefferson at number four over any of the running backs just because the amount of space he creates. Now, I only did one guy, but I have an honorable mention that I do want to talk about. First off, it's got to be Pat Mahomes. I mean, just looking at his stats over his whole career, he's only had one game over the past year where he had less than 200 yards and no touchdowns. So he doesn't have these terrible, terrible games where you just get shut down. Like he has a good game every single game. He's only had seven games throughout his entire career where he threw two or more interceptions. So he's not getting completely figured out by defense. And it's only happened one time where we're like, okay, yeah, this team's got Patrick Mahomes exactly where they want him. And that was in the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Broncos or not the Broncos. Well, (laughs) Tampa Bay Buccaneers. (laughs) The second most unstoppable player in the league is Justin Tucker. Because how like do you that. stop a kicker? Like you it. can't. You get him in range, and he goes in, and he kicks it. I was in – I don't think Skeller was there, but we were talking on PlayStation on Sunday night uh, when that Ravens-Bengals game was going on, and I'm talking to Brett and Alex, and I'm like, okay, game's over. You know, Justin Tucker's coming in yeah. for a 45-yard field goal game's over. Turn off the – Turn off the TV. Only thing that matters is, is if the snap gets down. That's all that really does matter because he just makes every single big kick. And there's nothing you can do to stop a kicker if he gets the process down in 1.3 seconds or whatever it is. So Justin Tucker at number two. I like it. All, all right. right. Let's go ahead and send it to halftime. All right. Welcome to halftime. We'll start it off with some NFL injuries whole lot of them this week it was actually pretty nuts how many there were we'll start off with baker mayfield um ankle injury is going to be out two to six weeks they say he said he won't go on ir in case uh you know he has a miraculous comeback but not looking good for him it's going to be pj walker um 
and that's definitely the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, I'll be rooting for the dude, but it's tough, man. Uh, we'll move on to Patriots running back Damian Harris. They say he's going to miss multiple games, hamstring injury uh, against the Lions on Sunday. That's tough. The Ravens lose Marcus Williams, their safety. He's going on IR with the back. Um, sorry, uh, dislocated wrist, not a back. They say he'll be back in four weeks, not his back. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, Baltimore. Uh, Kyle touched on Darren Waller's injury. Um, similar with Tua here, no real timetable. Um, still being evaluated every 12 to 24 hours at the facility. So that's pretty interesting. I think that's part of the new uh, concussion protocol. Um, Rashad Penny, Seahawks running back, facing a four-month recovery, broken ankle. He's going to be out for the year. Really tough for the Seahawks. Really tough for fantasy, too. Um, very disappointing. Caleb on chase on, young edge rusher, hidden IR. Uh, with a meniscus injury, uh, probably similar to Zach uh, Wilson's if he's not out for the year with a meniscus. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, that was the biggest one probably. Um, 49ers cornerback, tore his ACL, and he's out for the year. Um, if you can think of any other big ones, I'm not seeing any others. Everyone's dinged up by now. Yeah. It's tough. That's football for you, man. Yeah. So – Get into uh, college football recap from week six. Uh, not a whole lot going on, but some undefeated teams left. So we'll talk about it. Uh, UCLA beats Utah 42-32. Big That's game. That's a team, man. Uh, Thompson Robinson, the quarterback. Uh, they're undefeated still. Um, Alabama escapes Texas A&M with their backup quarterback, 24-20. to um, Bryce Young still questionable for next week. Big game against Tennessee. Uh, so... I'm a little nervous about that, but Tennessee wrecks number 25 LSU 40 to 13 on the road. They're looking great. TCU takes care of Kansas, the battle of undefeateds. Um, TCU moves on. They're going to face OK State for first place in the Big 12. Um, Ohio State destroys Michigan State. No uh, question about that like there was last year. And Washington. They were having a great year with Michael Penix. They lose on the road, 45-38 to Arizona State. BYU was ranked number 16. They can't get it done at Notre Dame. And Kansas State beats Iowa State 10-9. to Kansas State's going to stay ranked after that one. Uh, so not a huge week for college football. And also, I don't have a Heisman watch this week. A lot of the big guys didn't really play uh, – at all or in the second half. Um, so I, I don't know. I probably won't do another one until we get the actual uh, committee rankings out. So those are real. Uh, unless like Hendon Hooker goes off against Bama and beats him next week, then he would <laughs> immediately jump to the top of the list. Of course. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to do it for college football this week. Awesome. Let's go ahead and get into our pick standings, our NFL pick standings. That is, we don't yeah. do college picks. That'd be a little crazy. Uh, this week specifically, though, we'll start off with that. Brett and Skyler both had good weeks, but me and Alex are starting to heat up. So Brett and Skyler end up finishing in last place, tied for third, I guess. Uh, 10 out of 16 picks right. Still a good week, though. Next up is Alex with 11 out of 16 picks correct. And then I finally got a win, Skyler. 12 out of 16 yeah. picks correct for me. And I go ahead and take the W there for our week five picks. Let's move on to our full year picks and where those standings are at right now coming in the last place with 44 out of 79 picks correct is the man i'm talking to right mm -hmm. now that's skylar scranton been a rough week rough year rough year yes yeah. next up is brett sitting at 46 and 79 <laughs> as far as his picks go 46 out of 79 not 46 and 79 uh, but that's good for third place this year. Next up is me, 49 out of 79. I'm starting to get hot, though. I like it. I like it. I think I can catch up to Alex here soon. And then Alex leads the way, 51 to 79. First guy in the 50s this year. And uh, hopefully he's not the first in the 60s because I want to go ahead and take that, that throne this upcoming week. It's just I feel like I'm, I'm so close, you know, uh, as Kyle Quantrill gets taken deep. See, it's wow. deep. Who is it? Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader. Wow. Wow. That's the playoffs for you. 
Exactly. Speaking of the playoffs, uh, before Skyler chimes in here for a second, yeah. there is no uh, review on my start and sits this week because I didn't do it because I was so busy putting out yes. these tweets for wild card weekend that we had this past week for baseball. Uh, and just so you know, guys, if you are not able to watch the baseball game or not able to watch the football games and you're at work or you're Kyle's busy, whatever it may be, just go ahead and put on notifications for Twitter, man. That's a Max Sports at Adam Act Sports, just go ahead and turn on notifications. We'll keep you updated with all the touchdowns, keep you updated with all the big plays, the home runs, the diving catches, whatever it may be. And we got videos on there too. Had one. What's happened? Exactly. Castellanos had a big play. That was yeah. pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and send it back yeah. to the second half, and let's talk more about those MLB playoffs. Yes, sir. We're going to start it off with our ALDS and NLDS. DS predictions with those starting today. The two games that we know so far is that the Phillies beat the Braves seven to six in game one in Atlanta. And then the Astros and the Mariners played and the Astros won a crazy one, eight to seven with a Jordan Alvarez, 117 exit below walk off home run. That's a crazy moment there. Very clutch. But let's go ahead and get into those ALDS and LDS predictions. Starting off with Houston and Seattle. Skyler, what do you got here? Yeah, um, I'm got Houston over Seattle in five games. You know, uh, when I was making these picks, they were down big, and I, I was still unfazed. Um, but that's that's just it, man. Houston, even if their pitching's not having a great day, lineup will step up. Yeah, I. With how the game was going to start, I think I was leaning towards maybe a Seattle in five or a Houston in five, but Seattle kind of stretches it out to that final game there. Yeah. But after watching that Jordan home run, I can't say anything but Houston in three. When you're That's a fair. young team and you are on that high of just being the Blue Jays, you're on the high of going into Houston and being up big in that game, and then it's just gone. It's really tough to gain confidence again from that. I'm sure Seattle will be rocking in game three and that environment's going to be a fun place to play. But you know what team has more experience than any other team in the playoffs in this entire postseason? It's the Houston Astros. You think a loud stadium is going to affect them? They went everywhere in 2018 or 2019, whatever year it was after the cheating scandal was found out and just got bombarded by fans and it didn't affect them. So I don't think any crowd is going to affect the Astros at any point in this entire postseason. Give me the Astros in three. Next up, another ALDS, Cleveland and New York. Uh, I'm going to take Cleveland in this one in five games. Uh, this one's going to go to the distance, I feel like, either way. We already see uh, you know, through almost three innings here. This is going to be an exciting series. Uh, Cleveland's Underrated. just got, got a ridiculous pitching staff, man. We already saw in their... Uh, their last series, they're they're really really good in clutch situations too, defensively too, not just hitting. This team's built for the postseason, man. I'm talking about the Guardians here. They they hit, they field, they pitch, they do the little things right, and they have a great timely hitting. So I'm going with the Guardians in the upset over the Yankees in four games, and I think it's going to be big for the. Um, I mean, they got to take one out of two here and then sweep them at home in Cleveland because you don't want to go back to New York for game five. I think that's going to be a really tough spot to play. So I said the Guardians in four and then move on to the ALCS between them and the Astros. We're not getting into the championship series, by the way. We're not doing any full predictions again right now. On to the NLDS, though. Talking about the series that has already begun with Philly up 1-0. How do you think that series between them and the Braves ends up? I still got Atlanta in four games. I'm not phased by today. Obviously, Philly's lineup's a little more broken in to the playoff environment, um, but Atlanta should be just fine. They just came up short today. I'm going to go ahead and say Atlanta in five. I think it's going to be a really tough environment to play in in that first game back in Philly for game three. Philly's rocking right now. You know, the Eagles are going crazy. The Phillies are good. The Sixers team is good so you know those philly fans are gonna be going crazy on friday night i think philly wins that one but every other game in this series atlanta wins so i have atlanta winning in five games but it goes the distance there next up 
in the last series, we're going to talk about the Dodgers and the Padres. That series starts later tonight here in just under an hour. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the Dodgers in four here. San Diego steals a win, probably game one or two, because the lineups are, are broken in, same as Philly. Um, but not much after that. The Dodgers are are pretty crazy. Um, I also have the Dodgers over the Padres in four games. Dodgers are the Dodgers, man. I think that's all I got to say. Their lineup's good. Their hitting's or their pitching's good. They do everything right. Uh, but something I do want to talk about before we get into the season grades uh, for the four teams that got eliminated this past week, it's a weird advantage that these teams that won the wild card round have going into these divisions series because the other teams haven't played in five six or six days. days. Yeah. They're, I don't want to say cold, but they're not hot. The Phillies are hot. Yeah. You know, the Phil- Phillies, they came in and just played amazing. The Padres are hot. I know the Mariners lost, but they're hot. The Guardians, they're hot. I mean, a little tired, but hot. <laughs> exactly, but there's just like, I don't know. There's something momentum going on there. The the good fuel from last series just carries into the next. I feel that might be something that we see with this playoff format into the future. But let's go ahead and talk about season grades and stuff like that. Best thing that we saw for those eliminated teams in this past week. Oh, wow. I'm looking at our spreadsheet right now, and I completely butchered the word eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get into that, though. But yeah. uh, let's talk about the Rays first. They went 86 and 76, leading to that last spot in the AL playoffs. Gather, what do you got to take away from this Rays team? And what's their season grade? I'm going to give them a B for this year. Uh, they had some injuries, some new faces they couldn't really hit, but they ultimately got the job done in the regular season. McClanahan was amazing. Him and Glass now healthy next year uh, should be pretty great to watch. Yeah. I also gave them a B for similar reasons. Their injuries with Wander Franco and Tyler Glasnow being out like 80% of the year are two injuries that you just cannot sustain if you're a team like that. Those are two main guys in that team, but also a lot for Shane McClanahan to step up and show that he has Cy Young caliber stuff. Tyler Glasnow has that type of stuff too. And so when you have those two guys combined, if they're healthy next year, the Rays are going to be back on track winning 95 to 100 games. Wander Franco, if he's healthy, he's going to be a stud. Andy Diaz broke out this year into a legitimate star, I would say. And they got other guys around the ball too that can make plays. They play defense. They hit well. Obviously, Kevin Cash is going to put the, that bullpen in the correct spot. Yeah. So I give him a B, and uh, that leads us into one of their divisional rivals, the Toronto Blue Jays, who went 92-70, and 70, got the top wild card spot, ended up getting eliminated in two games versus the Seattle Mariners. Uh, I'm going to give Toronto a B plus. You know, they were great this year, but just in the Yankees' shadow. Um, everybody's coming back next year. The Yankees could be shit next year if certain guys leave. Uh, so, you know, certain guys, you mean Aaron judge? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So they should be right back here next year. Uh, and it wasn't a bad year. B plus. It was a bad year for the blue Jays. In my opinion, I give them a D. I think this team was something that everybody's looking forward to this year. And they just did not have a lot of things. Correct. Laddie had a down year. Bo Bichette was down until September when he hit 400, which is kind of crazy. Springer had a somewhat down year. Chappie was good later in the year, but started off pretty slow. Kirk ended up breaking out, but it still wasn't enough, man. I think this team had divisional, win the division hopes, and when the Yankees ended up only, not only winning, but they didn't get like 105 wins or something like that. This is the division that the Blue Jays needed to win. I will say what they did find is that they still have a great core, and Alec Manoa is their number one ace, and they can build that around with other guys like Kevin Gosman uh, and Jose Barrios if he rebounds in next year because he had a terrible year this year. But a lot of things just didn't go right for the Blue Jays. I don't think they had a ton of injuries comparative to other teams, that is. But you got to do better than 92 wins with this team. Let's talk about the Cardinals now. They won their division. 93-69 and 69 was their record. Uh, a lot of crazy moments for this team. I'll yeah. say that. Skyler, what is their grade and what is uh, the best thing for this team? I'm going to give them an A. 
I know they they didn't go very far, but um, they won the division that they hadn't hadn't been great in recently, and it's not a great division either. But Pujols, big year, like you said, it's more about the big moments. Um, so that's what what you have, and looking forward to some top prospects coming up. And I I don't think St. Louis is going to need a lot of time. You know, they still have the core there, like you said, exactly. with, with Toronto. Yeah, I'm giving it a B. I think it stings for them right now. Uh, just, you know, knowing that Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina just played their last games, that's going to suck as a Cardinal fan for the next six to seven months. But once you see Jordan Walker, once you see Juan Yepes, yeah. once I know Mason Wynn still got a little bit more time, but once you see him and guys like Ivan Herrera, uh, Dylan Carlson playing Mar- Lars Newbar, Tommy Edmond, not to mention Paul Goldschmidt, and Nolan Arenado, you're going to yeah. be just fine. You know, they got a great, great, great core, and they're going to be the Cardinals, you know, where they just win a ton of games. I think everybody expects the Cardinals to win 90 games every single year, so that's why this 93 and 69 year didn't really stick out. But they had all the cool moments of the regular season. They just couldn't get it done when it mattered most in playoffs. Next up is the Mets. Interesting year here. They won 100 games for the fourth time in franchise history. Ended up going 101 and 61. Of course, terrible postseason. Yeah. Expected a lot from this team. Uh, Skyler, what's your team grade for this team, and what else do you got? I wouldn't be, um, I guess, surprised if you gave them an F, but I'm going to give them a C because I had the Mets missing the playoffs in my preseason predictions, and they did more than I thought they would. Um but like you said, they they blew it, man. It, this was kind of a World Series or bust, but not, again, not from the preseason. That's why I didn't give them the F. It was, it, you know, from the All-Star break, pretty much World Series or bust. Uh, they have a lot of money, but they're going to lose a lot of free agents. And uh, if you would like me to read, I have it right here. Um, it's a monologue just, about eight years long, Noah. It's yeah. going to be a lot of guys. Um, some of the notable players possibly leaving. Jacob deGrom. Edwin Diaz, trumpet guy, Brandon Nimmo, Chris Bassett, former A, Taiwan Walker, Seth Lugo, Adam Adovino, nice slider, and Trevor May. Yeah, it's it's a lot of guys for the Mets. Uh, I gave them a B minus because, like Skyler said, I mean, I predicted this team to make the playoffs, but I did not think they'd win 101 games. I thought they'd maybe be a five seed in the wild card, you know, have a good team. But 101 games for the Mets is something that you cannot ignore. And I know it's something that the Mets fans are going to ignore for a long time because they had a terrible October, including the last week of the regular season. But everything's going to be all right with the Mets. I know you're going to lose some guys. DeGrom might not come back. Bassett might not come back. Brandon Nimmo might not come back. But you got Francisco Alvarez. You got Brett Beatty. Yeah. You got Mark Vientos. You got Alex Ramirez. Possibly Aaron Judge. Guys. Yeah, all these guys in your minor league system, and you have the secret weapon, Steve Cohen, who wants to pay everybody. Like Skyler said, he kind of spoiled with their Aaron Judge, but they got so much money. And even if the guys specifically from their team right now aren't coming back, there's going to be guys that are getting a shitload of money to go play in New York next year. Mm -hmm. So I give it a B minus. That's going to do it for this segment of. Where's your head at? Let's go ahead and get to our bets from this past week, our layups and our bold predictions. Rough week for all of us. Uh, One out of three total on our picks. My layup last week was the only one that hit, and that was the Niners minus six and a half versus Carolina. One by 22, so pretty comfortable W there. Skyler had Tampa minus eight and a half versus Atlanta. Closer game than what we expected. I think we all kind of thought Tampa would maybe put up like 40 to 45 points in this one. They ended up not doing that at all. Only got three touchdowns across and won that game by six or seven points. Next up for this week, I have the Niners again. Minus five and a half versus Atlanta. I just think the Niners are a better team than Atlanta and they're going to capitalize against a a shitty team. Yeah, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State minus four at TCU. I know TCU is pretty good. They just beat Kansas, but I don't care if Kansas is 12 and 0. They're still Kansas. Uh, Oklahoma State should be fine. Yeah. I had Kansas money line this past week. That was a close game. Uh, 
bold prediction, so yeah. I had the Sharks minus or plus 160 on Friday versus the Predators. They did not win any of the two games in Prague, so tough start for the season for Sharks, but they are expected to be bad, so that's not really the worst-case scenario there. Skyler had BYU win at Notre Dame. I don't know exactly how that game went, but I know they did not win. Low scoring, and they, there. they lost by eight. Yeah. This week, I have the Giants winning over Baltimore, plus 190. I think those odds are the main thing that I'm taking there. Plus 190 for a team that's 4-1 and one at home. Ravens are good, but they've had some rough games this year. So I'm going with the Giants at that plus 190 odds. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas to beat the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. I think that defense is is nuts, and um, they're going to shock the world, but I won't be shocked. Uh, you know, just the little things that Philly hasn't proven me yet, like like letting Arizona hang in a game they're dominating uh, and having to win by a field goal at the last second. That's not going to fly against Dallas. If they beat them, awesome. I'm sold. I haven't seen it yet, though. You know what I will say about the Eagles, Skyler? Yeah. Is that everybody in the league has had a bad game so far. And you know what the bad game has resulted in for every other team so far? A loss. It's resulted in a loss. Yeah. The Eagles have a terrible game against the Cardinals in Arizona. And what do they do? They Pull won. it out. So I think that's what separates the good teams from the great teams. I'm not saying Philly's great yet. I know it's only been five weeks. I'm not saying your pick's wrong or anything yeah. like that. I'm just saying I like the Eagles. I love Jalen Hurts. And uh, I guess go Eagles going into this Raiders by week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. That's uh, going to wrap up the show here. Very fun. Yeah. Uh, we should should know a little more about baseball. Um, will we be on to the CS? See, I believe we will. I think the one of the CSs starts on the 18th or the 19th. So it should be, we should know by now or by okay. next week at this point. Very cool. NFL, obviously we'll uh, have our, hopefully, unless they tie, our Dallas-Philly debate uh, figured <laughs> out by then. And uh, They cover. <laughs> yeah. Go Jets, man. Go Eagles. <laughs>